Hi listeners, welcome back to the Absolutely ADHD podcast. Sam is back with us, finally! Hi everyone, hi Alana, I missed you guys. We missed you so much, I missed you. I'm so happy to see your face, even though the listeners can't, but I get to. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was out of town and then like the way that we like to record for you guys is always like a, a bit ahead of time. So the schedule just worked out where I took a little bit longer of a break than what we thought, but that's okay. Yeah. How was um, Australia? It was really good, except for the fact that I broke my ankle. Oh my so. Gosh. That really wasn't good. And like, I'm laughing about this now. Um, I don't mean to roast my parents within an inch of their life, but they didn't like believe me. So I broke it. I broke it surfing on a trip with my brother. So, and I thought it was just a bad sprain to be fair. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really raise any alarm bells, but I seriously like could not walk. It swelled up immediately. Like it was really brutal. So then I, we flew from Sydney to Hawaii spent a day in Hawaii, and then I flew from Hawaii to Austin, all on an on on a what I thought was a sprain. And then the next week I go last week, I go to the doctor to the um, orthopedist, finally, and he's like, Yeah, you actually broke your ankle. So I know. And he was like, honestly, like, at this point, if you want to be in a boot, you can, but you don't have to be. And I don't know about you guys, but like, (laughs) drawing attention to any part of my body, especially with a boot people coming up to me asking if I'm okay oh my god that sounds like my worst nightmare the noises like as you like walk through a quiet room the waddling the side to side action no but honestly I didn't even know you broke it until this conversation oh I didn't tell you that no, you never told me that. Yeah. Well, definitely keep us updated. To give you guys some background, Sam's um, dad's side all lives in Australia. So I know it sounds like a, we were talking about how obviously that it sounds like a whole vacation and it is, but it's more so like that's where you see your family every yeah. year. So- like, and Alana's been with me and granted when someone comes, which is rare because it's a tough, you know, it's a tough trip to make, like sh- you and I tried really hard to be tourists for some of the trip, but you know, a majority of the trip is really just, and my, my whole family lives two hours North of Sydney. So we're outside of Sydney. We're not near a huge, huge city. Like there's gorgeous beaches and good food and stuff. Yeah. But most of the time we're just hanging out at my grandma's house and my aunt and uncle's house. Like, it's not like this gorgeous, enviable. I mean, it is cause it's well, Australia, it but <laughs> yeah, it's, but I, I know what you mean. Like it's, it's definitely more calm than like just going and being a tourist for that long. I think in a way also, I love that. Like it makes it more, you're more immersed and you're like, Oh, this is how people actually live. And you get to see how people like, you know, your grocery store and all that stuff. Yeah. What we wanted to talk about this week was something we actually touch on all the time, but pretty much the impact that ADHD has on our self-esteem, our confidence, as individuals, like specifically women with ADHD, just being told and being inundated our whole life from a really young age with things that like, you know, either we could be doing better or things that were maybe too much about like our emotions or all these different things that we constantly are receiving these messages and it's cumulative and they add on to each other and it makes it difficult to be confident as an adult. It really does. And so we talk about so much of this all the time, but I was even talking to my mom about this the other day. I was like, I feel like because 
I grew up with a deep-rooted understanding that I was dramatic. I think I probably was quite an emotionally turbulent child. And I still am. You know, I have big, big feelings. And sometimes I don't really know what to do with those. So there's that. As so many yeah. of us in this <laughs> There's that as, as a thing. And that yeah. is a fact. I have big feelings and I feel things very deeply. But then to be told when you're younger through school or parents or friends or peers, whoever it is, that you're dramatic without being taught how to deal with it, you grow up, you yeah. know, thinking that something's wrong. When I'm not saying it's hard because they're having big feelings and not knowing how to deal with the big feelings, that is a problem. And you notice that as a child, you know, or someone can notice that in you as a child. But so I'm not saying that my parents were necessarily wrong, like I was dramatic, but they stopped. I feel like my edu- my emotional education stopped there. It didn't continue into, okay, you have big feelings. You feel things very deeply. How are we going to work through this so that you can be a healthy, productive, and emotionally stable human being. And now I feel like as an adult, I'm realizing that I do have big feelings and that is okay, but I don't know really how to get to a better place with them, you know? Well, and I think that goes for, you know, being too sensitive, having big feelings, not being able to sit still, like all these things that are pointed out, but we're young and we're like, okay. So we're just told that, you know, we take that as something yeah. wrong with us, of course. And in response to all these things that add on to each other, we develop these tendencies to be, you know, perfectionist people pleasers, to be really critical, on, really critical on ourselves, like all these things that now we're in adulthood and it's like, okay, let's sift through that yeah. because there's a lot of stuff going on here. We're like, why am I so convinced that there's things that are wrong with me? You know? And the amount of times that I've had to call you to be like, okay, this thing happened. I feel this way about yeah. it. Can you tell me if that's an accurate way to feel? Which is tough mm-hmm. because my feelings are unique to who, who I am and everything I'm feeling is, is an accurate way to feel. But I guess I just really struggle with like a gut check. Like I don't ever really know if what I'm feeling or how I'm feeling about it is appropriate, you know, because I was mm-hmm. never taught how to deal with my big feelings. And that's the thing. We use these kind of terms like, you know, I mean, obviously like anxiety and emotional regulation, all this stuff, but that doesn't mean much. And especially as a kid, like not knowing that anxiety was anxiety. Like, and I think this is so common with, you know, when kids just like feel sick or they literally just can't go to school and the parents are working so hard to find, you know, what's wrong with them and everything. And it's like, sometimes it's so hard because it's not something physical. It's severe, severe anxiety. But when we don't know that, we can't control it. We don't have power over it. I have been talking a lot to my vet that my dog, this is going to sound so like um, Gen Z millennial. My dog is having a lot of behavioral issues right now. He's very anxious, like very, very anxious. And it's like manifesting in physical symptoms like bald spots or licking his paws a lot or stuff like that. Never once in my conversations with my vet about how to fix this or what this was, did I say, oh, Wally's just really anxious and it's really his fault. And I keep telling him to calm down and he won't like we treat it on such a biological scientific level. Mm -hmm. Like Wally is anxious because Wally's my dog, because 
of these external factors and he's reacting in a very normal way. How do I fix the external factors so that he doesn't react like this? Or what do I need to do to help him feel more comfortable? I feel like with people, and that's very, because Wally cannot communicate his needs. So it is my job to take care of him. With people, no one is like, what is happening in Sam's external life? What can we do to reduce the pressure? And how can we teach Sam to better handle her anxiety? It's always like, well, you just really need to calm down. I don't tell Wally to calm mm-hmm. down because he wouldn't understand it. But with people, I'm like, I feel like what I'm saying is really stupid, but I'm hitting on a point here, which is that like, sometimes I do feel like just because we can communicate with each other, we do it in such a stupid way. And this is also why it's so important to be able to process our ADHD symptoms or just anything because we're adding names to these feelings. All the stuff that we go through on a subconscious level of like feeling like we're not good enough, feeling like feeling so much shame because we forgot to pay this bill or, you know, walking by the dishes again, like all these things, it adds so much shame. And then, like I said, we're just convinced that like something's wrong with us as opposed to being able to name it and be like, okay, this is executive dysfunction. My brain struggles with this. Like what are some ways that I can make it easier for myself, you know? Switching a little, like, you know how we always tease each other all the time about like the habits or the hobbies that we pick up that we never pick up again. I feel like sometimes I'm like reluctant to try new things because I'm like, well, look at what happened with the last new thing I tried or this project I tried to do. Like, it just feels really like debilitating in that sense when in reality sometimes the joy and that I get from being creative with I don't have to finish things all the time you know like no, this idea no, you can do something for fun and enjoyment like it could just be fun for a little bit this idea that we need to become this expert version of the things that we pick up or there is an end goal here Sometimes there's just, sometimes the end goal is distraction. And what I hear too, when you said that, I like perked up because you know, that expectation of like, also, well, if I do this, I'm only going to do it if I'm going to be amazing at it, or if I know that I'm going to be perfect or, and this totally goes into our perfectionist tendencies and why we, you know, over identify with like labels of success or, you know, being overachievers. It's like, we put so much emphasis on that as, you know, our self-worth or our value. And we forget that like that stuff actually, like it's not all that matters, you know, and it really is about what we want to do. How many times have I said, I hate my apartment? Yeah. And how many times does it drive me crazy? Because you're, what does your apartment look like compared to mine? Well, it's not even that. It's like, you think that my apartment is beautiful and wonderful. And I, it doesn't, live up to what I expected of myself moving into my own space because it's not exactly what I pictured in my mind. And I'm not insanely proud when people walk through the door. They're not like, oh my God, did you hire a decorator? Like for me, that is the only appropriate reaction to coming into my apartment, but that's not realistic. It goes back to this whole, like, it's really difficult to build internal self-esteem when your perception is skewed. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's like having body dysmorphia, but like personality, like life dysmorphia. Yeah. No, you know? Totally. And, and then even like I think of, you know, and like the, because I hear you, I know with your apartment, it's not, it wasn't about the organization thing, but like that's where my brain goes to because we all know about my insecurities, which is 
not being as organized as I could be or knowing that if I was more organized, I would feel much more, you know, put together. You know, how often like do people will say to me like Alana, like that's so it's so amazing. You run your own business. You moved to New York. You know, you're living in New York, all this stuff. And that's so, of course, but kind of where does my mind go? My mind goes to, you know, well, maybe I saw myself in a better place by now. Maybe I saw myself, you know, being able to scale my business a little bit quicker than it is. All these little things. And it's just like, yeah, our perception is just, we are wired. Our brains are wired to look at the things that we don't do good enough. And like, what an exhausting um, hamster wheel to be on. Yeah. And then, I mean, I just chastised you for comparison, but let's bring that back in. The other thing I feel really, that's really difficult for me to deal with is like my career progression. Like I feel like my career hasn't progressed both, both as quickly as I would have liked and as quickly compared to my peers. Portion of that is correct. I don't think my career is progressing as fast as some of my peers. Then it's hard. It's hard to figure out, am I being too hard on myself or am I actually being accurately hard on myself, but maybe I'm being a little too mean to myself or am I both being too hard on myself and too mean to myself? Do you know what I mean? Like it's hard because I do think some level of comparison or healthy or pushing yourself is necessary. You know, I mean, I think that that's how an internal drive is a very, very amazing thing when used correctly. But when you're not trained on that, just the same as anxiety, it can really like run them up. And this is exactly why I call it a hamster wheel, because think about it, if we're constantly going and ruminating on the things that we don't feel like we're doing well enough, you know, that's a never ending target. Like we're never going to reach that target because think about it. Most of us with that type of like the way that our brains work, we're not going to be like, okay, this is good. I'm proud of myself and I feel great. And I'm like, I'm done now. Like that's just not really how it works. And so no wonder so many of us struggle with these feelings because if it's not how we're dealing with our organization, it's how we're dealing with work or how we're dealing with our personal relationships or how we're dealing with, you know, all these different areas in our life. Yeah. So it's just this constant criticism that we have. And that's also why, you know, one of the biggest things we can do for ourselves is just, it takes time at learning how to challenge those negative beliefs. And even when we can't challenge them, like in the moment, cause I know when we're in it, you know, when you're going through either like a really upsetting moment, you're not able to say, no, Alana, you are doing great. Like I know that, but at least I can like, call you and recognize that I don't have that perspective in that moment of like, I'm sure there's some stuff I'm doing right, but that's not what my brain sees right. And because I deal with this, sometimes I don't want to bother you. Or sometimes I'm insecure. I feel like I've used up all of my friend cards and, or sometimes I'm not available and you're not available. So I think like a good thing to do is to like write this stuff down because it helps challenge that whole like, in order to do something, I have to do it perfectly thing, which is yeah. if I'm going to journal, I want to journal. I want to sit down and I want to dedicate time to it. But like, that's not always realistic. So I won't journal unless I feel like I have X amount of time to do stuff. But that's not helpful. So what I've started to do is just quickly write this stuff down to give myself some perspective. And on the other hand, I sometimes write down the really negative things yeah. because when you see them in writing and you read them back to you, you're like, 
I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm like, holy shit, I'm being so mean to myself. Seriously. Like, it is would so you, mean. Would you, if I said the stuff that you say to yourself to you, you and I would not be friends. No, we never, no. And it's just, so it really goes to show how hard we are on ourselves. And it's, it's just something that as people, individuals, women with ADHD, like we need to name because that's how we feel more in control of it. And also, even if you don't have someone that you can call up in these moments, like that's why these communities, these podcasts, like find your people online, go through, read my comment section on some of my like silly posts on Instagram. And I guarantee you, you will see like hundreds of other ADHDers who are struggling with very similar things. Yeah. And that right there is like the most validating thing. You're like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. There's a lot of people that are also going through these similar struggles. Over time, we develop, you know, we have a whole episode on masking, but of course we develop these behaviors that kind of overcompensate for these things. And I know me and you are really bad about this. We'll be talking about a certain situation and we'll literally have to ask ourselves like, what do you want in this? Like we're so focused on like maybe the other people involved or what everyone else. And it's like, what do I want from this? Like, let's pause and let me actually truly answer that for me. And we don't do that. We don't have that pause. We don't ask ourselves that. I think we're just so focused on people pleasing and help making sure everybody else is taken care of. Yeah. But can I wreck a book? Yeah. So you guys know I read a lot and I never really, but I don't ever really read self-help books, but my mom got me onto this one. It's called Better Days, Tame Your Inner Critic by Neil Allen. And we'll put it in the comments or something. But, um, it's all about like realizing and trying to notice your inner critic. I think that this concept of like an untamed inner critic is really where we struggle as an adult because when you're not taught how to manage your emotions as a child, what that develops into is externally knowing that we're not supposed to be so hard on ourselves and we're supposed to give ourselves grace, but internally not being able to manage the swirl of terrible thoughts that we feel. So it kind of develops into this inner critic thing. So what this book has is it has you kind of like personify this inner critic. So like give it a voice and give it a, a body and maybe not a face, but like, you know, make it into a little, uh, into a literal thing that exists in your brain so that you can start yeah. working on how to work with it and silence it. Cause like, look, the fact is, is that we are always going to be hypercritical and hyper aware of ourselves, but yeah. knowing when to gut check yourself, knowing when being critical of your actions is actually warranted when you're doing things that you don't want to do, when you're not aligned to the type of person that you want to be, it is important to know, Hey, talking about that person in that way did not make me feel good. I think that was a really shitty thing for me to do. You know, like that type of stuff is good to help gut yeah. check yourself. But sometimes when you give it too much power, this inner critic is like, that shirt is really ugly on you. Why would you raise your hand in this meeting? What you're going to say isn't even helpful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how did you think that you could come to this workout class and no one would look at you? You know, all of this stuff, like that's just not helpful. And what this book yeah. talks about specifically is that this inner critic thing was helpful at one point. It taught us, and I've said mm -hmm. this on previous podcasts before. Yeah. It taught us how to not talk to strangers. It taught us to be very critical of ourselves so that we could be safe in a social environment. It says it essentially taught us how to operate socially in the world that we live in. Totally. But so many of us aren't given the education in our adolescence and our adult lives on how to deal with it, that it ends up running our entire lives. 
this was so helpful. And it's crazy because my mom read it first and she and I struggle with a lot of the same things, but I do think like generationally, the way that our parents dealt with mental health is, you know, very, very, very different, obviously than what we do now. So, um, we were finding ourselves relating on, on a lot of this. So what I will do is I will link that book in the description notes. I'm going to check it out because it sounds interesting. And then maybe we can, you know, talk about it next week, but Sam, I'm just, I'm so happy you're back. We missed you. I'm happy to be back. I missed you guys. I will say I read through your comments a lot on your videos and your reels and your TikToks and stuff, you know, mostly because I want to fight anyone that's mean to you, but also (laughs) because it's really, 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 really nice to know that I'm not alone to the point where there are sounds on TikTok that are specifically dedicated to this community because so many of us feel the same way, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Send us a message. Tell us what you liked about this episode. Say hi. Also, just so you know, we love the messages that you guys send us. Like they actually, every single time, they just make I cried a little bit when you sent me the last one. The last one was so nice. We love you guys. For real. Thank you. I hope you all have a good rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's episode. You can find me on Instagram at coaching by Alana and you can find the podcast on Instagram at absolutely.adhd. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, write us a review so we can help share this information with more of you. As always, thank you so much for the support and we will talk to you next week.